please join me in the prayer for elimination. Let us pray. Eternal God, in the reading of the scripture, may your word be heard. In the meditations of our hearts, may your word be known. And in the faithfulness of our lives, may your word be shown. Amen. The scripture today, the scripture reading today is from Ephesians 3:16 through 19. This I ask that he will strengthen you in your inner selves from the riches of his glory through the Spirit. I ask that Christ will live in your hearts through faith. As a result of having strong roots in love, I ask that you'll have the power to to grasp love's width and length and height and depth, together with all believers. I ask that you'll know the love of Christ is beyond knowledge, so that you will be filled entirely with the fullness of God. The word of God for the people of God. So we're starting a sermon series today on preparing for the journey, uh, finding your path. Uh, I, I think when we think about discipleship, uh, we often think that, uh, at least uh, when I was growing up, uh, discipleship was um, when the preacher would stand up front and say, you know, who'd like to join the church today? Now, in some traditions, it's um, we're going to sing just, uh, just as I am until somebody comes forward, right? There were two stages in discipleship. There, was those, there, there are those who aren't disciples and those who are, right? Um, now, there might be like a, a third uh, stage, uh, those who tithe, but that may not be the topic for today, right? I mean, it was very simple. You, you either checked the box or you didn't. Um, there, there was no stages. There was no uh, things that you needed to do. There was no uh, places where you were going to grow. It, it was you are or you aren't. And if you aren't, you better, um, right? Right? I mean, just very... Um, very one-sided or the other. Uh, um, discipleship is really more than that. Discipleship is actually that, that journey to the heart of God. Um, it's that process by uh, which, over time, uh, we um, uh, explore and discover Jesus. Uh, over time, we uh, choose to travel with Jesus. Uh, over time, we, we choose to live um, with Jesus. Um, it, it is that uh, let's see, theological terms for Wesleyans, we call it sanctification. Uh, it is that process by which our lives become more resembling Jesus uh, than they do ourselves. Um, it's a beautiful work. Um, we often talk about uh, taking your next step. Now, in the month of January, we're all trying to find the way. We're, we're looking for purpose, for growth. We're looking uh, maybe for opportunities to lead uh, we're hoping for health, right? I got to appreciate all those people that are running 26 miles and there's not a wild animal uh, behind them at all, you know, um, <laughs> right? We want to live life well. Um, we want to learn to care for others. Uh, regardless of how you phrase it, whether it's uh, New Year's resolutions, whether it's new habits to take, uh, whatever it is, um, we're finding our way. We're looking for how we might become uh, who God's called us to be. I don't know what I just hit. Let's see. I turned it on. There, yay. So, so what if it wasn't uh, find your own way? What if there was actually a map? What, what, what if there was a destination? Uh, what if there was a path to guide along the way? 
Uh, what if we didn't have to make it up on our own? It kind of seems like church uh, over the last couple of generations has been, well, you're third grade, here's your Bible. Good luck with that one, right? Uh, the begats are really hard. Um, we don't tend to do a lot of helping people with the, the trail, with finding the way, with marking out the path. Our scripture passage today is from the book of Ephesians. I, I like to give you information about uh, the books that we're looking at. Our, our passage today is uh, written by Paul, Apostle Paul. Um, most likely he wrote it as a letter to the church in Ephesus in another town. Uh, while he was imprisoned, uh, most likely in Rome, about AD 62. He wrote it particularly to a church, uh, the church, uh, in the city of Ephesus. Um, the push of the letter is about um, helping the church understand uh, that it's their responsibility uh, to become united for Christ, uh, to reconcile among each other, um, and, and then also to do the work that God set the church up to do, which isn't just to make members uh, out of people, but instead to redeem all of creation. Now, our passage comes early in the letter, uh, and it makes sense that if you're going to help God with the redemption of the whole world, you might actually uh, need to be um, united with your brother and sister in the church, right? And so there were some conflicts, and uh, Paul was helping them through that. Now, when we say it's a letter from Paul to the church in Ephesus, it's not to say that it was like a letter you might write um, as a thank you note to your grandmother for the gifts she gave you at Christmas. It's not a private letter, it's a, a public letter. Um, a, a letter that would have been read um, in the worship assembly, most likely um, to the whole congregation in the place of the sermon. Um, it would then have been uh, a letter that had been circulated around to other uh, Christian communities because it's a public letter and we might learn together. Um, apparently, um, in the Bible, it seems like only Paul writes letters, but there were a number of other people who wrote letters too, uh, but the church did not discern that those were parts of Scripture. And so, uh, Paul's message here uh, to the Ephesians is a message that's uh, important for us as well. You, you could hear in uh, Pastor L.M.'s uh, children's moment where she talks about uh, needing to uh, kind of come to that place of understanding the height, the breadth, the width, and the depth of the love of God, right? It's a great way to kind of talk about discipleship. Discipleship is uh, um, journeying towards the heart of God. It's, it's figuring out how uh, overwhelming and um, uh, unbelievable and all-encompassing the love of God is. For us. As we look uh, a, a little bit further, um, there's a particular uh, uh, um, translation that I use that uh, phrases the first sentence as, uh, Paul says, I pray that his spirit will make you become strong followers. Because that's how you raised your kids, right? Johnny, I want you to be a follower. Don't think for yourself, right? I mean, do, do you hear how culturally um, uh, uh, interesting that message is? We, we raise our kids to be first, right? Uh, I heard some obnoxious meme on Facebook that second is really just the first loser. I'm like, really? <laughs> you know, um, that this message of following is important to say out loud because discipleship isn't about picking your own destination. It's not about finding your own path. It's not about going out on your own and blazing a path of redemption for others, but rather it's following the one who gave redemption to us by following Jesus. 
And so as we begin that idea of following Jesus in terms of discipleship, the destination for our journey is discipleship. Now that's one of those great church words. We, we try to define it in the adult gathering in between uh, services. Uh, for us uh, here at Chapelwood, we have come to realize that our way of understanding discipleship is that we are, uh, feel called by the Spirit to identify and take uh, the next step in our faith journey with Christ and helping others to do the same. If you've come and worshiped here uh, more than three or four Sundays in a row, you have heard me say at some point in the worship service um, that Chapelwood United Methodist Church is about helping each other take our next step in our faith journey with Christ. When we did an evaluation of worship over 2016, um, we got lots of accolades, lots of compliments, lots of constructive criticism. One of the uh, things that we heard regularly from uh, uh, y'all in the pew was, was quit talking about next steps and give us some. Give us the idea of, of concrete, what's practical wisdom that we can walk through our discipleship uh, and not just kind of have to figure it out for ourselves. And so this sermon series is a, a very intentional attempt uh, to talk about um, the stages in growth, the needs, the transitions, uh, the ways in which uh, you can take your next step in your faith journey with Christ. Um, this sermon's kind of like the, um, the travel brochure, you know, things to do and not to do when uh, traveling to the heart of God, okay? Um, it makes me think that if this were um, the uh, travel tips for London, there'd be a place where someone says, mind the gap, right? You know, the, the, um, the, the little things that need to be known um, as you travel in that direction. First tip is know where you're going. <laughs> know where you're going, right? Um, I, there's a, a good friend here at Chapelwood who says often, if you don't know where you're going, any road will do. If you don't know where you're going, any road will do. Uh, is discipleship about um, uh, attending more often, giving more often? Is discipleship about rising up the ladder so that you can teach a Sunday school class or be in charge of a committee? No. Know where you're going. Um, that discipleship is about becoming more and more like Jesus. Know where you're going. There are a whole lot of things the church can rope you into, loop you into, convince you, twist your arm, and force you into doing. But make sure that it's about discipleship. That's our hope here at Chapelwood, is to kind of winnow down and align and be serious so that, so that what we're about uh, isn't about uh, preservation of the institution, but rather helping you take your next step in your faith journey with Christ. Uh, tip number two, don't travel alone. I, I don't know who told you or, or how it got communicated, but somewhere along the line, uh, we got this idea that uh, if you wanted to be more like Jesus, well, you better go off someplace alone listen for the Spirit, figure it out, and then come back. Don't be asking other people to journey with you. Actually, it's completely wrong. We look at Scripture. Um, Jesus rarely does uh, um, everything alone. Now, there are those places where he goes up into the mountains and prays and takes care of his own soul, and you too should be doing those things as well. But let's be honest. When you travel the path of discipleship, don't travel alone. In fact, Jesus sent out uh, first the, the, um, out of the disciples they, in Mark chapter 6, sent them out two by two. Two by two, not alone, but with someone else. In Luke chapter 10, um, take an opportunity this afternoon and read uh, chapter 10 of uh, the Gospel of Luke. Um, Jesus has 72 followers, and he sends them out two by two. 
And, and it's not just two by two out to, you know, go get uh, dinner ready. Um, he sends them ahead to where he's about to go preach to. See, see this, this is the advance team. This is the folk that are going in, not to say, hey, we really don't know what to do, but yeah, this guy Jesus is coming. But instead they come and they do the things that Jesus did. They teach, they heal, they preach, they get the place ready. 72 followers, right? Oftentimes we think that Jesus only had 12 men that followed him around, and it was in the off season from fishing, which is why they followed him around. No, 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 no. It was uh, the 12 were the core, but as many as 72, and, and, and crowds, right? Uh, if we think about uh, not traveling alone, uh, we see in Scripture Jesus teaches crowds. He teaches in the homes. Um, he uh, feeds the 5,000. Um, he gathers the 12, the disciples, and teaches them. And then notice that even within the 12, there's a smaller group, uh, James, Peter, and John. Remember, he goes up to the mountain of transfiguration, and he takes Peter, James, and John with him. And there on the mountain, uh, he has a vision and has time uh, to speak and to commune with Moses and Elijah. Of course, Peter's so excited. He's like, let's build a house here and never leave, right? Uh, Jesus doesn't do um, everything alone, and neither should we. I have to tell you that when I uh, go to call folk who uh, used to attend church, uh, it's often what, what I do when I uh, show up uh, in, in that first year. It's kind of gather, the, you know, gather the, uh, the congregation together, see who might have uh, fallen away. Um, usually when I, uh, there's two or three reasons why someone will fall away from a church. One of the primary ones is they'll tell me my small group isn't there anymore. I, we, we had our children together, we were early marrieds together, we were new retireds together, we were together, our, our small group, and we were all at the same place, and we all did the same things together, and we, we figured out the trials and the frustrations and the joys of that moment, but now they're all gone, they've moved, they've died, they, their kids have become adults and had chil uh, grandchildren, and now uh, we're headed to be where they are. My group's gone, so why should I show up? You see, it's not about starting and finishing with the same group but it's about knowing where you're going and not traveling alone. Sometimes it's not about people who are at the same stage where you are. Sometimes it's about you're ahead, but it's time to offer a hand to help people who are behind. Sometimes you're behind and what you need is somebody in front of you who's gonna mark the way because you're not sure about that next step. Travel number three, move at your own pace. I don't, you know, people get this idea that, uh, I, you know, I'm 60 years old, I don't know how to pray. Shh, don't tell anybody. Right, right. We, we get this idea that, that, um, that, that, that we should be moving at a pace faster than ours. That, that everyone else around us knows far more than we do, and we better be quiet so that we can uh, catch up. I, I want to remind you that the joy is in the journey, not the destination. Uh, in fact, um, I'm kind of an awkward, uh, different kind of pastor. I, I don't really believe that uh, discipleship is about getting to heaven. I, I don't believe it's fire insurance. I, I don't believe, you know, you got to walk down the aisle and join the church. Um, and, and then, you know, when you do uh, die, um, you know, b b uh, Peter at the pearly gates can go, oh, yeah, I remember. It was uh, 2017. You, you walked the aisle and filled out the form, and they never saw you again, but hey, <laughs> you're in. <laughs> because you bought the fire insurance, right? I, I like to say that it's not about getting to heaven, but it's about bringing heaven to earth. 
You see, Scripture says that the kingdom of heaven uh, is among us. The kingdom of heaven is inside of us. Um, That the work of the Holy Spirit is like the wind. It blows where it will, and you can't predict it. You see, Jesus was interested in us not being so heavenly minded that we were no earthly good, but that we would actually be um, pieces and places and ambassadors for the kingdom of heaven and bring it to the place where we are. You see, it's not about getting there, but it's about being here. Move at your own pace. Don't let anybody tell you you're slow. Don't let anybody tell you you're fast. But instead, move at your own pace in such a way that you're um, asking the questions, getting what you need, and growing towards the heart of God. I also want to say one more piece. Um, we tend to think that maturity is global, right? That, that, uh, that as someone grows from childhood to adulthood, that, that all of those things happen and they become mature in, in, in every way. Um, they, they become emotionally mature, physically mature, mentally mature, spiritually mature. Um, at the early service, there's a little giggle at that point uh, because we all know not everybody's emotionally mature, right? <laughs> or mentally mature, uh, right? Um, we, we tend to think that um, if the picture of the person in front of us is growing into adulthood physically, then they must be mature in all the other ways. But, but I got to tell you, there's, um, there's 60-year-olds and 50-year-olds and 40-year-olds and 30-year-olds and 20-year-olds that, that in terms of their spiritual growth, they are sweet infants. Paul talks about this, right? Uh, feeding milk uh, to the children and not trying to have them eat meat before they're ready. But for some strange reason, we think that if you're an adult sitting in the congregation, you should be an adult spiritually. I want to tell you that the scripture passage where Jesus welcomes the children, right? Do you remember that? Where he's, uh, he's doing something and, and the disciples are so, they are big for their britches. They're like, yep, we're with the big guy. No children, right? I imagine they have like dark glasses on and maybe a, a dark suit, maybe looking like the secret service, like, nope, nope, so sorry. You're young, you're immature. The boss has nothing to do with you. And Jesus says, no, let the children come. Don't hinder them, for such is the kingdom of heaven. Do you remember that? You see, we, we want to say that if you're not growing in the faith and God has nothing to do with you, it's completely the opposite. We are in the faith and created in this world and uh, doing what we're doing because God breathed breath into us and called us by name and that you're a child of God. That's not an immature bad thing. That's a great thing to establish by grace. Sometimes we think we have to move as fast as everything else, but for some people, coming to a place of maturity and faith doesn't happen until later on in life. I tend to talk about the four Ds being the things that bring people to church um, um, uh, outside of anything else, right? That if there's a death in the family, if there's a diagnosis of disease, if there's a divorce, if there's some sort of disorder that happens, right? Not disorder like disorder, but like disorder like things are just chaotic. You'll show up in church because church is one of those places where people love you and care for you and help you take that next step in your faith journey. Some people don't need to mature in the faith until one of those four Ds happen. And so they show up in the, the church, but they think, oh my goodness, I don't know how to pray. 
I better fake it till I make it. As opposed to asking, hey, is there a class on prayer? Travel at your own pace. Detours will happen. Detours will happen. Um, there, there's a whole reasoning behind timing. Um, the, the Bible actually has a specific word for time that is God's time and time that is our time. The time that is our time is chronos. We get chronological from it, right? The, the, the um, word for God's time is kairos, in God's time. If you've done the uh, Emmaus-style uh, retreat over in the prisons, uh, it's named Kairos, right? Is there anybody else in the world who needs to know that there's a second kind of time, not just the kind that's calendar-driven, but the kind that's driven by the love and grace of God? Kairos, right? Don't set up your schedule and think it's all going to go straight line. Detours will happen. In fact, I really like uh, this uh, quote, uh, perhaps some detours aren't detours at all. Perhaps they're actually the path. Um, last fall, I uh, got invited by some men of the church to go hiking, um, primitive hiking, um, carry everything in, carry everything out, um, all that wonderful stuff, right? I, I kept asking, what should I bring? And um, Michael kept on saying, you can bring whatever you want to, but you're carrying it. And I'd say, but yeah, but what should I bring? Should I bring? And he'd say, yeah, put it all in a pack and go walk a mile. You'll find out really well whether you should bring it. Um, on this uh, three-day hike where we um, hiked um, uh, uh, multiple miles, oh my gosh, um, five and uh, seven, and then I think it was three, or maybe that was just me falling out and passing out uh, at the third mile, right? Um, there, um, when, you're, when you're hiking on a trail like the Lone Star Trail, there are clear markers about where you're going. They're called white blazes. You look for little ones about every, um, you know, 250 feet or so. And if you, if you get to the point where you can't find one, you stop, you turn back around, make sure at least you can see some behind you, and then you look for the ones in front. Occasionally, they'd be doing trail maintenance. A, a tree would fall or there'd be a washout. And, and they would block off the trail and suggest a detour. Now, I, I don't know about you, but I suffer from uh, what's called um, um, uh, letting perfect be the enemy of the good. Can, can anyone else suffer from that disease? Letting perfect be the enemy. If, if I can't do it perfectly, if I can't walk every mile, make every step, see every blaze, I'm not doing it, right? Anybody got that here? I'm the only one. Okay. Um, <laughs> you know, but, but what a danger <laughs> to plow through the red tape. Uh, um, uh, try to find a way down and out from the washout. Try to climb over the tree that's fallen with all manner of snakes and spiders underneath it. Sometimes a detour isn't a detour. Sometimes it's the path. Um, I want you to think about this last kind of travel tip. Don't be afraid of what's next. Don't be afraid of what's next. Some of us get to a place um, in our discipleship, and someone says, oh, well, the next thing is you have to give up everything and follow Jesus. Oop, I'm good. No, that's, that's good. I'll check with you at Christmas and Easter, Jesus. Thank you. Right? Or, or whatever it is. It, 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 um, you've moved from discovering Jesus to exploring Jesus to traveling with Jesus, but then Jesus says, hey, come on, I want to move in. And you go, you know, that's a lot. 
I'd have to like not hang out with friends and I'm not willing to do that. And there's actually a, a piece in discipleship pathway, recognizing that some of us hit the wall. Some of us, we're, we're, we're in the midst of discipleship. We are uh, taking steps. We are uh, learning about Jesus. We are growing in our faith. But something happens. It, it could be four Ds. It could be whatever you want to call it. And it just stops us, right? There, there's stories in the Bible about this. Um, you have a, a positive story about Job, right? Job is just, I mean, by the end of the book, he is um, scratching his boils with glass. He has lost all of his friends, all of his cattle, all of his retirement. And, and why, right? Of course, Job has a wonderful uh, approach and continues to be uh, faithful in God. But not all of us are Job, right? I, I mean, if, if something happens, right, um, if you lose a loved one, if you are, are diagnosed with a disease, you know, you know God, you could have made this different, but you didn't. I'm not doing it anymore. I played your game. I did what you wanted. I'm done. Make it different. I've walked. I've stepped. I've taken next steps. I've done all those things. And this happens. It's hitting the wall. I'm done. I want you to not be afraid of what's next. I mean, it can be terrifying. What's next, right? How do you do the year after they've died? How do you do the year of treatment after the cancers come back? How do you do it again where you've gotten laid off and you have to start in a whole new um, uh, industry? It's hard. Don't be afraid of what's next. Because if you remember, it's all grace. God's called you. Even if you're at that infant stage, God loves you. It's all grace. It's all good. Detours will happen. Sorry, I like graphics. I'm, I'm a walking copyright infringement, right? Some of you wonderful, sweet engineers and those who love those engineers and those who live next to those who are engineers think the top is true, right? Here's the plan. But reality is different. Would you make the journey if you knew what the reality was gonna be? Phew. Trust that God knows what's next. Don't be afraid of what's next. Last one, travel tip number five, take the first step. The hardest part of any journey is taking that first step. I, I, I want you to know, you're not behind, you're not slow, you're not remedial, you're not lagging, you're not holding us all back, you're not the weakest chain, the weakest link, whatever, no. You're a child of God, and God loves his children. The hardest part of the journey is taking that first step. I want you to know that the purpose of a church is to be there with you, to walk with you. You see, we all need each other, right? Can't be a church of all uh, people who are infants. Can't be a church of all people who are at one stage or another. We all need each other. Th those who are farthest down uh, in the walk need someone to invite and to mentor and to share. And those of us who are, are, are down low on the totem pole, we need somebody to show us the way to be Jesus with skin on, to show us exactly how and what to do so that we might take our next steps and grow in our faith and journey towards the heart of God, moving from discovering Jesus to exploring Jesus to traveling with Jesus to living with Jesus. I want you to know over the next um, six Sundays, five Sundays, uh, we'll be looking at 
I guess I'm done. Um, we'll be looking at uh, the stages. We'll be talking about uh, hitting the wall. We'll be looking at um, how do we move through uh, and move into finding the, the height, the depth, the width, and the love of God. It, it, it's all there. It's all grace. It's all beautiful. It's just taking that next step. Next step for you, but I'm pretty sure we can help understand together what are the things you need, what are the things that'll move you on, and where are the places where God's provided places of rest and growth for each of us. I look forward to making the journey with you. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.